Welcome back, everyone, once again to a new installment of Screenplay Rewind. I'm Jeff. I'm Ron. Man, it feels like a minute since we've actually gotten a chance to record, because, like, <laughs> the last three weeks, both in our personal lives and in the universe, everything that could go wrong <laughs> just about went wrong, per usual. So, Pretty much. What can you do? So, in the face of all that negativity, what can you do but watch movies and have fun? Damn right. All you, all you can do. And what more fun can you have <laughs> than a Mike Flanagan horror movie? <laughs> Oh my Jesus! Before, what did you do? Oh, you're welcome. As soon as I got that text <laughs> of all caps "fuck you, sir" at like one a.m., I, I was it like, vertically. I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> Give in to your fear. <laughs> uh, but before we talk about Oculus, uh, this week's selection, we are actually going to run through a couple of questions that we've had uh, pending. And our first question for the week comes in from. Bobby himself, the man, the myth, the legend. And Bobby writes in, my dearest screenplay rewind, as the brutal heat continues to bear down on me through this heartless summer, you are my cool oasis in this ongoing conflict. Aw. Thanks, bud. <laughs> You're my cool oasis, too. <laughs> uh, he said, today we lost Jerry and all his cousins. The senseless nature of this conflict has me longing to be back in your arms, whispering sweet nothings in my ear. I did not read this email fully. <laughs> <laughs> my time my time draws short as the enemy nears again yours now and forever bob <laughs> and then after that is the question and then after yes i feel like bobby is the korg of screenplay Rewind. <laughs> hey man i can abort this ginormous ship monica uh his question if you could remove one film from the mcu what would it be and why is it the eternals because <laughs> that's my selection i would remove the eternals because i want my fucking two and a half hours back and that's is the that only all explanation. that movie was it felt like it was four and a half hours it felt like it was four and a half years dude i think oh my god i th uh, yeah but that's my answer because fuck the eternals uh <laughs> what's your answer dude i I struggled between that and I just, the movie would have been so much better without Aquafina. It almost <laughs> has to be Shang-Chi. I think even with her in it, just to, Shang, just to get Shang rid, just get her out of the MCU. That's fair. But like, I would rather watch Shang-Chi with Aquafina than watch the Eternals mope around in the boringest parts of history <laughs> like they're 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 able to fully access literally all of history and they're hanging out in like mesopotamia as the wheels being invented like that's the most in that's the most interesting thing you can come up with really okay <laughs> uh. they didn't even you know how like x-men origins wolverine pissed everyone off because it was just like we really wanted to see like Wolverine fight in all the wars and it's like a 45 second montage. We didn't yeah. even get that in the Eternals. We didn't even get teased. They just did nothing because that movie fucking blows. <laughs> I need my foreplay, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's, it, it, it's the Eternals, but it's just... Oh my God. If, Aurora if you... actually refuses to watch... Is it... I don't know how to pronounce Is it like... Raya and the Last Dragon, oh, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, I think Aquafina is the voice of someone in there, and she like refuses she's to watch the dragon. it. Oh, is that it? Yeah. 
Yeah. Is that is that why she's the last dragon? Because yeah. all the other dragons heard her talk and killed themselves. Like, I don't know why we're trying to save the dragon. Just make it extinct. <laughs> if, if, they're, if they're all if they're all bad, not charming Gilbert Gottfried, then get rid of them. Exactly. You just want to see Hi, schmucks. Raya the, the last, last dragon. dragon. <laughs> Raya the last dragon just get fucking decimated by Drogon from Game of Thrones. <laughs> Much better movie. Uh, and I think uh, also it's just the, not a good movie. I haven't seen it. But Don't. I digress. Uh, thank <laughs> you for the question, Bobby. If anyone else wants to email us, you can always send stuff in to us screenplayrewind at gmail.com or send us tweets of your questions and or prompts at SPR Filmcast. And I think Ron had a question for the show as well, right? Yes, I do. Uh, and I'm trying to get back to the text I sent you to get it the way I had worded it. Okay. This comes from Christina, my wife. If you could have any fictional food or drink from any movie or TV show, what would you have? Emphasis on the fictional when I was writing that text to you. Mm. Why don't you go first since I went first on the first question? Slurm. That was actually one I was thinking of. <laughs> slurm. Even though I know where it comes from. Yeah. Slurm. Uh, uh, that or I was thinking of. Do you remember uh, early on? I want to say in the Futurama run, when uh Fry goes to that bar and he gets that like atomic drink that mm -hmm. is like in a martini glass and he drinks it and you see it glowing in his belly. Um, uh, either yeah. Slurm or that. As much as much Coke Zero as I drink, it's probably gonna be Slurm. Coke Zero is pretty fucking good, to be fair. I'm drinking it right now. <laughs> Dude, Bobby, when he came over before the July, <laughs> grabbed a Coke Zero, and he just, like, slammed it on the table, and he's like, I'm sorry to tell you, that doesn't taste like Coke. I'm like, it's not meant to, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not meant to. That's the point. It's Coke Zero, not, like, Coke Plus. Like, it's not supposed <laughs> yeah. to be, like... <laughs> this ain't new Coke. <laughs> yeah. Uh, new, can I cheat coat. the can I cheat the question and say I'll eat the uh, fictional pill and limitless that like unlocks ninety percent of my brain <laughs> and, like a superhero? Is that a food or a drink though? That's, that's why I was saying. Yeah, that's <laughs> why I was saying I'll cheat the question. But uh, I uh, Not I bad, ha can can I choose the mountains of anime food that Goku can eat in like five seconds? Because I've always wanted to do that. That always looks really. I fun was trying to think of something from anime. Cause like they, you ever see them like in every anime, like the main character, just walks up to like a table, and there's just like five hundred bowls of awesome looking anime food just piled on top of each other, and they just like devour it, and it's like, yes. <laughs> the thing, what immediately popped in my head, and I had to think around it because it kept coming back to the forefront of my mind, was Chris Evans and the Losers, and he's supposed to be the hot dog vendor, and he's just like, these hot dogs are delicious, and he's just <laughs> eating them one after the other. Yeah. All right, but, maybe we'll pick uh we'll pick the falafel from Batman Begins. <laughs> <laughs> I have kids to feed. What? They don't like falafel? <laughs> what a what a dick thing for anyone to say to anybody. <laughs> right. Like oh my god, I wouldn't say it to someone I hate, I don't think. <laughs> it's so fucked up. <laughs> it's so I, it's, isn't it funny how <laughs> the most random one-off shit like that falafel line is what becomes the meme? Yeah. <laughs> it's like to this day, 
Batman Begins is almost like 20 years old and we remember the fucking falafel line. <laughs> fucking well, butts. Because it's like, what, half a second after that, he gets ziplined up to the top of the building? Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Batman Begins will be on this podcast at some point. Yes, it will. And then we probably have to commit, I mean, and then just finish the trilogy and talk about Rises because uh, people do we want have to do the trilogy? Why can't we Pe- just I think stop? people... I think people want to hear it. I think Bobby wants Do to they? hear us just yell into the micro, uh, microphone for <laughs> into an the hour microwave? And yeah, Into the microwave. We're thinking about food now. <laughs> if, I, if I have to watch Dark Knight Rises again, I'll just stick my head in a microwave. <laughs> <laughs> and then by that point, I'll probably actually sound like Bane when I talk. <laughs> I, just, I just got the visual of you doing that, but it's like South Park when Stan walked by Randy with his nuts in the microwave. <laughs> like, I just imagine Aurora walking by then stopping and slowly walking backwards. You like, really what are you doing? The micro- you really adopted the microwave. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, think, I think I can't think of a better note to end the uh, question in part of the show on. If anyone else has any questions, again, please uh, please be sure to email us, screenplay rewind at microwave.com. <laughs> <laughs> yes, new new URL and everything. But yeah, we are here this week to talk about a movie I have wanted to have on the show for a minute because Ron had never had the pleasure of watching a Mike Flanagan horror movie because holy shit. <laughs> do, you, do you get acquainted with the pit of your stomach when you watch a Mike Flanagan horror movie? Because they are intense, like the whole runtime, just about. This one, uh, this one had been on my list for a little bit. Yeah, uh, it is. I I can't remember what order of his stuff I was introduced to. I I became like full blown whatever you make. I watched day one after the haunting of Hill House. Mm-hmm. But this might have been like the first thing of his that I had seen, and I've always really really liked this movie because I think this movie is. Obviously, it's Lovecraftian, so it's right. it's my type of catnip. But I think it's just like a damn good movie. I I, I find very very few issues with it. What's funny is of the movies. Oh, uh, spoilers! That... Spoilers for Mike Flanagan's Oculus. It's uh 2013. It's kind of hard to find because if you type in Oculus, you just get five thousand results for the Oculus Rift, which right. is kind of annoying. But yeah, it's well worth your time if you like horror at all. Please watch the movie before you uh, listen to us talking talk about it because there, there's a lot of moments in this movie that are just like shocking with yes. how brutal they are and you you kind of want to see it uh, you you don't want to have it told to you because it loses some of its impact if if you don't because like you just get sucked into this movie even if you know what happens I watched this like four times and like uh, I watched it tonight uh, and I'm still just like on the fucking edge of my seat like holding my breath with how just like you can cut the tension with a knife in some of the sequences i can totally see this being a movie that you find something new every time you watch it oh man that's like uh, mike mike flanagan just like gets what i want out of horror like on that like on that note like one thing that famously happened with like the uh the haunting of hill house show is all throughout the season of the show he just has actors uh as stand-ins as ghosts in the background and they are never drawn attention to Sometimes you can't even really tell they're there. They're just kind of like obscured. But all throughout the show, there are just ghosts just watching the the actors within the scene. Damn. And it's shit, it's shit like that that I love where he just like gets that horror is so much more effective when it's just like a moody tone and like an atmosphere instead of like jump scares. Because he just 
lets creepy shit happen in the frame and often it's not really a scare it's just it's just you know it, it's just there and it's not meant to be like in your face horror it's just like tension horror which i prefer it's uh it's interesting how i i don't i don't I haven't really seen much of anything that mike flanagan has done but just about everything he's written and directed is like in my list of things to see. <laughs> I've just never, I've just never gotten around to him. So this is the first time I've actually seen uh, something that he's written and directed, and apparently edited. Mm-hmm. Um, which that means you're seeing like his full-on vision for the movie. Yeah, he he is, especially with um, the TV shows. He's very very hands-on with what happens throughout the like entire duration of the shows. Uh, it's interesting. This, this movie actually originates. Uh, it was like a, a short film of his and the, like the backstories that you see when they start talking about like the different people in the past that had had the mirror are like basically different chapters of what would have been like short films, kind of short stories of this mirror. And he had one, it was uh, Oculus Chapter 3, The Man with a Plan. This was like one that he actually like, you know, produced and turned into a short. Uh, it was a one setting, one uh, actor, and just the mirror. And it had a lot of acclaim uh, just because Mike Flanagan knows what the fuck he's doing. <laughs> and he ended up, once they were able to kind of get it greenlit, he turned it into <laughs> this horror story that is centered around a family. And that is a running theme throughout all of his works. Uh, okay. pretty much pretty much everything he's done centers around horror elements that are surrounding a family that's like pure haunting of hill house and uh it's also kind of present in doctor sleep because uh, if you think of like i know you haven't i don't think you've seen the shining but and that's that's one of my short lists actually have on the show but he was a perfect person to pick for a follow-up to that because the shining is horror elements surrounding a family so you can tell, I think The Shining was a big influence on what his types of stories end up being. Uh, I uh, I was looking at the actress that plays uh, Marie here real quick before we get into the cast. Because it was driving me nuts when I was watching it. I know I'd seen her. I knew I'd seen her. I just couldn't figure it out. Uh, she was Bo-Katan Bo on The Mandalorian. Oh, but, Katie Sackhoff. Yeah, yeah. Mo most people, most people are familiar with her from the uh, the Battlestar Galactic show. Yeah, I've never seen it. But what I found when I was looking at that is uh, she apparently did a voice on Futurama. Uh, it's the internet episode, and her name is Irreconcilable Differences. <laughs> it's just it's just a bunch of repeating letters throughout the name. Irreconcilable <laughs> differences. <laughs> That's what yeah, I was let, laughing at. <laughs> let's uh let's run down the the rest of the crew and the cast and everything, and then we'll kind of like delve into the actual like plot and sequences that we'd like to talk about. Uh, so we've talked multiple times about Mike Flanagan. Uh, th this is like especially like the shows. Like you have, if you like this, you will really like Hill House and Midnight Mass. It was really fucking cool. He he just man I I just love his work, but uh, he co-wrote it, uh, and it was based on a short screenplay uh, where he had actually written uh, the original short film that he had directed. 
base that ended up being like the influence for this. Uh, he co-wrote it with Jeff Howard. Jeff Howard is one of his co-writers that has popped up on a few things that he's done, uh, such as uh, Gerald's Game and Before I Wake. Before Before I Wake is probably the only Mike Flanagan thing that he's done that didn't fully land for me, uh, just because the movie got kind of like fucked over by the studio famously, mm. uh, which is a shame because it was a pretty cool concept. It just kind of got fucked over. But uh, let's talk about the cast. Uh, so the lead... The primary lead is Karen Gillan. People know from Doctor Who and Guardians Which of the Galaxy. Which is why this was on my list for a long time. And she's very good in those. She's very, very good. She, I, She's pretty good in anything she's in. True. Uh, I mean, she plays... her, her stint in Doctor Who, uh, Nebula in Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean... And just like thinking of like how different those two performances are. You yeah. Know, she has like underappreciated range, even though she's fucking, you know, super famous. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, she plays Kaylee Russell, who is the the daughter of a family of four. Her brother is Tim Russell, played by Britton Thwaites. Uh, he's been in a couple, in a couple of things people recognize. Uh, he plays Dick Grayson in the Titans show, and he was also, I believe, Philip in the first Maleficent movie. Yes, those are the two like things he's in recently. Uh, we mentioned Katie Sackhoff. Oh, he's Henry was- Turner in Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Gotcha. Oh, I never saw Gods of Egypt. That was on my list, too, even though everybody hated it. Which means it'll probably be your favorite movie of all time. Probably, yeah. Uh, Katie Sackhoff, as we mentioned, plays Marie, who's the mom of the family. And uh, Rory Rory Cochran, I believe is how you pronounce his name, uh, plays Alan Russell, who's the dad. And basically the only other two actors of note are, I actually think, especially... The young Kaylee actress. I think the kids are very good, especially yes. the, the, the the actress playing young Kaylee is fantastic in this movie. She would actually go on to be the lead in Flanagan's uh, Ouija prequel movie. Okay. Where, yeah, I saw that yeah. in the list. I was like, whoa, now I'm interested in that franchise. Well, yeah, it was really funny. Is That was the exact reaction everyone else had because the first Ouija movie happened and it was garbage. And then they were announcing a prequel for it. Like, oh, this is going to be shit. And it was Flanagan attached to it. And it's like, oh, shit. This is actually good because they have a competent <laughs> guy making the movie. Imagine that. And it's the same thing. You know, it's like a horror element surrounding a family. And he always makes these like, since he centers them around a family, he's able to actually have like an emotional connection between like the viewer and the characters. Yeah. They're not like cannon fodder. They're actual characters because he's like interweaving the supernatural elements of the horror stuff with characters that are having like real life drama. And when you have characters that have that type of, you know, trauma and, traumatic things happen in their, in their backgrounds, you know, you latch onto them more. And we'll talk about that. I think the editing in this is really good too, as far as when it's flipping back and forth between the past storyline and the present. Or is it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's hard to tell after a while. Yeah, true. Uh, Garrett Ryan plays uh, young Tim. Also good in the film. And uh, Kate <laughs> Siegel plays uh, Marisol Chavez, the kind of like a uh, main figurehead for what is the supernatural element of this movie the mirror right. uh, kate siegel is the best character in haunting of hill house uh she she plays one of the the daughters of the family and she's she's really really great she's she's also um the lead in one of his other movies that's on my short list that i'd like to have on the show that i think you really like called hush oh is, yeah i've heard of it is is very very good uh, she plays the lead in that, and it's another plan again. I, I, I think he wrote and directed it. I know he for sure directed it, but yeah, it's on my, it's on my short list. They're actually now married in real life, him and Kate Siegel. Oh. 
pretty cool there and they she uh now helps like with some of the writing and stuff for the movies so it was kind of like it became like a uh like a writing team almost pretty cool so yeah let's talk about uh so when you watched this did you really have any idea like what the plot was for the movie i'm assuming you kind of could Not figure out uh just pretty quickly that it's about this like really really interesting what's what's basically just like a giant creepy fucking mirror that's <laughs> as soon as you see it you're like why would you buy that don't give do that? away the movie why why would you buy that and bring it into your home seriously <laughs> it looks terrifying yeah it's a terrifying looking piece i'm looking at it in the poster uh yeah no the only thing i knew about it is that it had karen gillen that it was about a mirror and it was a horror movie and mm -hmm. just whatever first the netflix description had and then hulu it moved to hulu eventually and that's mm -hmm. where i watched it um that was same that was all i knew about it going in no like i yeah. said no experience with mike flanagan yeah uh and it's almost like better to go into this not really knowing the full extent of it because it's kind of cool the way that it plays out the the movie is based around this this haunted mirror who you end up finding out uh, is and brilliantly never explained. I love that yes. we still don't even know what the fuck we're dealing with, and that that's actually one of like the things that um is is a big inspiration uh, influ uh, influence for Flanagan is Lovecraft himself. Uh, Flanagan has actually been on like record with talking about this film and, and its <clears throat> production, where he actually said, um, "It's an alien force that it even uh, we're trying to comprehend it completely it would drive you mad." He expanded, "Evil in the world doesn't have an answer." So that's a big kind of driving force for this movie is it's a Lovecraftian object. And the main character here played by Karen Gillan is through and through a Lovecraftian protagonist in that her like just pure obsession. Yes. To, to learn more about this thing that she should not be fucking with. You like know, you it, survived it. Move on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's that's like a, a common theme in a lot of Lovecraftian protagonists. It's like they have so many opportunities to just walk away, but they're so obsessed with with learning these otherworldly things that they should not be messing with, and it ends up being their downfall. And yeah, this this is like I think one of the best. I think this is one of the best because you know, like obviously, the lighthouse is like a wonderful Lovecraftian movie, but. I, I think that is more explicitly Lovecraft than this. This is just more in like theme, you know. Like you're you're not getting your this elder is in gods. the this is in the vein of this is yeah. not this is not trying to mimic Lovecraft. This exactly, is, you know, you, you don't you don't have an elder god here. You don't have right Cthulhu type. You, you have know, the you theming. Don't have, yeah, you have the theming and you have the character arc. You have like the cut like the horror concept and then like the character arc of Lovecraft. And I think it's a really, really great representation of how you do Lovecraft well without just kind of piggybacking off of the popularity of Lovecraft. Like he really gets it. Right. And also I, I, what I really, really like about her character is she is like way too obsessed with this, but she's not an idiot. Like right. you have to, you have to commend like when she's, when she breaks down like her game plan to, to get revenge on this mirror that basically <laughs> like ruined her family. Right. Be, be, because 
the the thing that kind of like starts off the movie is her brother who's now turning 21 is being released from a sentencing where he was basically in his teens uh committed to a mental mental institution for killing his dad and i i also like the way too that they don't just kind of drop all the exposition at the beginning like it's right. kind of like slowly dealt out over the course of the movie to where you don't even fully know like what happened until the very end as the horror elements are happening in like the current timeline it's it's it's, it's a really cool and interesting way because if you just like did this movie as a lot of you know like uh worse writers would do as far as we're gonna do like the prequel sections up front and then we're gonna have like almost like a little like time jump and then it's gonna happen and you know it just makes it less interesting i i think like the presentation of the story is part of the thing that makes it cool. The it's, movie it's, uses the mirror's backstory to show you the rift that is now developed between brother and sister also, because yep. there's an entire scene where Kellen Gillen is just listing encyclopedic knowledge of the mirror, basically to the audience yep. with the brother on looking in horror, like this is fucked up and calling out, her shit calling out like what would be plot holes in the story, right? Like yeah. calling out all kinds of stuff and just kind of their back and forth on that. Um, also, she's so obsessed. She's so obsessed. Even her, her career path was yes. based around this because she uh, set herself up in this kind of, I, f I forget like what her role is, but it, uh, it's it's like an auctioneer, right? Of these like weird she, kind of classical like, pieces of furniture. Yeah, she like yeah. finds it. It's got a name. I can't um, I can't think of it. But there's another show I watched that the main character had that exact same job. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But yeah, she basically like tracks down and procures uh things to sell at their auction house. Mm hmm basically getting tries to get people to sell their stuff at their auction house and it basically comes across like the only reason she ever did it is was wasn't the, the it was just to, to track down the mirror because that was the only way that she'd ever have like the full resources at her disposal to be able to track this fucking thing down and destroy it was and then she steals job. it <laughs> yeah yeah it's like about that uh you know whatever the fuck someone paid for it uh i, I want to know her plan for dealing with that I just don't think she cared. I don't think she, she did. She, it almost felt like she's like, fuck it, fire me. I don't care. Like, she just, yeah. that, this was her, her, like, her life obsession was just to get back at this mirror. And you can't really blame her because ruined her family. You know, it, what, like, uh, there's a lot of, um, interesting things too with this movie where for the first half of it, you don't even know if it's actually like a supernatural object, which is cool. Right. It's really not until they're uh, at the house in the present and they see that all of the objects in the room have been um, rearranged. That's like the first time it's actually really confirmed. Right. Because everything that you see as far as like all the spooky shit happening could just be like mental illness. Uh, because that, that's what that that's like one of the main um, that's dividing what lines that's between what they're them. Setting up, the whole first half of the movie is trying to get the audience to figure out which one they want to decide to believe yeah. right because that's the argument the brother keeps making yeah uh, versus she is so sure <laughs> right yeah and basically, at this basically, point yeah. when you're getting the flashbacks i don't think in the flashbacks there's anything too supernatural happening 
Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. The, the only thing at that point that you've seen happen is they've seen um, the woman, Marisol, who's one of the ghosts tied with the mirror, uh, interacting with the dad, but only seen briefly and just kind of like vanishes. They can't really explain how, you know, like they're seeing her in the dad's office, but then she disappears. Right. And you see her... Uh, as her kind of like ghost form seen uh, like early on by the dad. But again, you don't know if that's him seeing things or if she's actually, a, you know, if it's, a, if it's an actual ghost. When, it's, they start, it's left... when they start framing it so that the wife starts believing he's having an affair, it's just like, Alan never locks himself in his office at home. Is <laughs> what I could think of from airplay. <laughs> like, <laughs> he never has a second cup of coffee at home. <laughs> he yeah. never throws up at home. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and part of the backstory is the the brother has been in a mental institution for a decade where the doctors have just been telling him that he's crazy the entire time. And right. if you've been, you know, if you've been told something like that for that long, you start to believe it. And, and from he's that kind young, of, too. A, a, yeah. And when he's that young, especially. And, and he starts basically trying to flip the script and spew out all the things that he's been preached at by these doctors and, and medical professionals. He starts kind of like projecting it onto his sister, you know, where we didn't actually see this stuff. You know, you, 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 you know, you had a traumatic event happen as a kid. It's all in your head. He doesn't believe her, even though he saw this shit happen in the past, too. He's basically just kind of like mentally blocked it almost as like a defense mechanism where, right. where he, he starts to remember it over time. But he, you know, does not does not believe it at first until it's basically too late. Uh, like once they <laughs> that's another thing, too, we'll talk about, man. The ending of this movie is fucking brutal. Yeah, it is. <laughs> like uh, it, it's, it almost catches you off guard with just how, because like, obviously the movie is like very dark, but it's it's a fucked up ending. Uh, yeah. Real, but before we start moving that direction, though, I want to talk about the thing that struck me about this movie when I was watching it is the structure of the movie. Um, the way past events and current events are woven throughout the movie together. Masterclass. They're it's showing you that it's basically history repeating itself. All the same events are starting to happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that struck me when I was watching it is I was like, everything that I have seen that has happened in the past would have been the first hour or so of this movie if it had been done by anybody else. Yeah, it would have been all in a row. You know, not necessarily boring or uninteresting, but just like any other horror movie out there. Yeah. And weaving it's like, it's it like in. It's not, inter- it's, it's not that it's not interesting in that way. It's just less engaging in yeah. that way, I'd and, say. And th- what's interesting about it is it's doubling down on getting the audience to wonder if this thing is actually supernatural or not. Like, who to believe? Uh, because, again, this is history repeating itself, but you're seeing both current and past events happening simultaneously. So, you know, for the first hour or so of this movie, is this a supernatural event? Is she crazy? Was he crazy? Like, what, what is going on? on? But yes, less engaging, you're right, is the the better way to put that. I couldn't think of a good way to say it. And uh, it's, yeah, I think it's just like expertly done. Uh, And the, the way that the movie just kind of, because it is like a better way, I think, because of the way that the movie kind of like skips back and forth. 
to have you kind of it's it's interesting it's like they're giving you a lot of like um exposition with how she's talking about like uh and what's interesting too is like you can see like all of the fucked up backstories they had you know that were going to be chapters if it was like a continuing series of short films you know like with all the creepy shit that happened to the other people well, that ended up becoming too, ghosts with the thing i could also see um someone that if someone else had this vision of this movie, I could also see all the backstory we get from Karen Gillan. Like everything that would have happened to Karen Gillan would have been like the last 30 minutes of the movie and everything else would have been just the history of this mirror leading up till now. Mm -hmm. um, but it's used as a tool and the fact that it's not necessarily everything planted in detail. Um, that ambiguity and that lack of detail really does a lot of work towards just kind of screwing with the audience yeah. more or less. And, and there are some moments in this <laughs> that are hard to watch. Like dude, yeah. the, the bandaid scene uh, where, where uh, he, so oh, that I, was I when I texted you. That that's what you texted me. That's what I texted you. Because I couldn't tell when you texted me that if it was you developing a permanent fear of staple removers or a permanent fear of light bulbs because both happened <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> or did it? <laughs> yeah, uh, man. The, there, there's a sequence where the dad and the, the dad is like the first target because his office is the room where the mirror is, right? Yeah, and his proximity so to the mirror. He's basically just like immediately taken over by this this ghost that lives within the mirror. And is there okay. We don't know. There's a lot of ambiguity in this movie, but is there a single force in this mirror? Is it the mirror itself? Like, is there yeah, I think, a ghost I, I think in the mirror? I, I think you're like think, right on all accounts. It's, I think it's you're meant to not know basically yeah it, you're meant to not know because like what i kind of like what i take away from it is the mirror is haunted and it's basically using these people that it's like coerced and kind of mind controlled as like it's like puppets almost where it's like when you see marisol it is marisol it, I, she I, did go you know like they, they all did go crazy kind of in service of the mirror basically okay so yeah um the way I was looking at it, I don't know if you want to say this type stuff for the end of the podcast, but the way I was looking at it is it was almost like the mirror itself had a will it was exerting and it was acting out through the people around it. But I don't feel like the ghosts that we saw are like ghosts or that they are like captured spirits or anything. I think they are just the reflections of the people it has seen throughout yeah. the years. They're, I think they're still just an extension of the mirror. I don't think they're like souls of the damned or even ghosts. I think they are as, cause there's a, uh, the part, the reason that made me think about this as I was thinking about it is they talk about how it has to gather strength cause it's been in storage for so long. And it's not until like projections of, people that has fucked up start coming out until it has it, it, it's a long time in it gathers a lot of strength before it starts projecting outward it makes me feel like it's not being inhabited 
by ghosts or spirits. Like it's the object itself has a will of its own and it's acting through reflections of people yeah. that it has fucked it's, with. It's like using like victims as like a vessel almost. Yeah. And yeah, but it's, it's not like really like there. It's like, but the, like the ghosts that you see walking around that are the other people are not spirits or ghosts, but just literally reflections from inside the glass. But they, but they also could be. They also because, could be. be because the the mirror is actively protecting itself and making the people become obsessed with it. It's it's like it it likes being it likes fucking with these people in horrible horrible ways. But it also likes being like pawned over. I was trying uh, to I was trying to figure out over. what exactly it it fed off of because. It seems to just be kind of like just it, general it, life force uh, because like, it's killing plants around it. I took it as suffering is what it, it well, was feeding off it, of well, more it's Because it, it it could be life force too because the plants are decaying if they're in a certain radius. I think Karen Gullen says it's like 30 feet at one point around like, kind of like, a, like a radius around the mirror. And it also, at some point in the movie, the family dog is put into the office where the mirror is, where no one else is, and the dog just disappears. Yeah, so it, it, you can't relate, and and it's like every element of the mirror is up to interpretation. That's so cool because it makes it so much more fascinating and scary when you don't have like you you don't even know like the rules of this thing. Yeah, you, know, you don't know shit about it, and that's just one of those things where it's fear like, of the unknown. You gotta love um, Kaylee's plan, and her plan is pretty sound. Like she has so many. Like, yeah, you don't know if more, she's right or wrong, but based on the information the characters have, it makes sense. In this room, she has more contingency plans than fucking Batman. Like, it's, <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> she she has you know timers to get them to remember to eat, to remember to drink. Uh, she has her fiance calling her like uh, every hour, or does she to check to check in on them? <laughs> I I love that line like halfway through the movie. Where she has uh, a call coming from the fiance, she answers it has a has like a quick little conversation with him. It hangs up, and she's like, "I'm like fifty percent sure that was him." And it's like, yeah. "Fuck, dude, y'all need to run!" <laughs> like fuck that, dude. Like, what are you doing? Just- oh, I, I I think we I think we got cut off from talking about it. But the uh, the scene that I was telling you about earlier, where it's like just hard to watch, is oh, the dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the dad is. Uh, like I cut his, you off for a reason. <laughs> his <laughs> his. <laughs> The the dad is like he's uh, apparently according to the mom, it's kind of like a, he nervously chews his fingernails, but at one point well, he uh, yeah they here's the thing like I the thing that confused me is we hadn't seen him doing that until after the mirror shows up and then she's just kind of like ugh like why are you doing that. Well, she 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 has a a line at some point in the movie where she talks about him being he like he nervously chooses fingernails, but I, I just heard, pa- I just heard her say don't don't be like your dad or don't do that like your dad or does or something like it's yeah, but I don't yeah. know I could be wrong. I had a lot going on when I was watching this movie. <laughs> yeah, uh. yeah you, you said you ended up watching it at night <laughs> when you didn't plan to. That was not my plan. Yeah, yeah, and shit, dude, I, I watched this like four times. I was scared. I was watching the daylight today. I got scared a couple of sec- uh in a couple scenes because it's just fucking freaky. Scared the daylights but out of you. He he, uh, and then like a like one like recurring trope throughout the movie is that the characters are like seeing that something happen around them, but it's not actually what's happening. Uh, the the dad 
is he's like kind of like fucked with his fingernail to the point where it's bleeding and he has a band-aid over it. He has a vision of himself pulling the band-aid off, setting it down next to his keyboard. And then like five seconds later, the band-aid's back on. He's like, what the fuck? So he grabs a uh, staple remover because he's having problems removing this band-aid because it's just stuck to his finger. Ugh. And he has this vision of him of himself using the staple remover to just like rip off the edge of the band-aid to be able to, you know, just be able to pull it off. <laughs> and then it cuts into what's actually happening. And it's him fucking removing his fingernail. And I like, do the effect of that is so good I, I i oh my god it just it's it, it hurts to watch <laughs> <laughs> but doesn't it like but like he didn't at the same time like doesn't it cut back to where like he's fine or something afterwards i, I think so but then you also <laughs> see I, I one little element they don't really draw attention to either that i love is the dad throughout the movie consistently starts to acquire more and more band-aids over is his fingernail really? Yeah, if you if you watch and track the dad scenes like throughout the movie, every few scenes he'll have like an additional band aid where he's just been removing his fingernails. Ah, really cool, really cool detail. Ah. Oh, that that's how cool is that scene where the kids try to get help with the neighbor? Yeah, and he just has this like casual conversation with with the neighbor, the dad, and he has his hand up against like the 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 pillar of the uh like the the, the, the blood banister smeared wall. And all of his fingernails are missing on that hand. There's like blood leaking from his hands. Like, oh, it's so good. Jesus. It's, oh, also, he the dad's really good too. Like when you can tell that it's the dad talking versus when you can tell that it's the mirror using like him as a conduit to talk is really good. Like I love uh and it's also just a, like a good little piece of writing when all of a sudden he calls the kids princess and champ. Yeah, and that and you can tell like that's the mirror because the, like the mirror is just talking through him. It's like oh, that's such good writing dude love it yeah the uh the dad in this i was thinking uh, he's he's so good but i kind of want to see him as harvey bullock in something <laughs> i could see that i i uh also i was thinking uh before we before we started the podcast there's a little bit something about his performance i can't quite put my finger on it but his performance kind of reminds me of like billy burke a little bit Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's a little Billy Burke esque. Uh, but yeah, no, the dad is the dad is really good. Yeah, he's fantastic, and and like just like the way he just descends into madness because he's just bought this. And what a shitty way to have like your entire family fucked over is right. you just happen to buy like like he's got like what seems to be like a like a brand new job. You know, like they're finally making like good money. Like they bought this super nice house, and he just kind of like. And and it's you, you can't even tell too, uh, because because of the history lesson that she gives about like when the the mirror has been hidden away or lost in history and then just like resurfaces. There's also a thing you can like read into this where Did the mirror is it? the the mirror yeah is actually like picking and choosing people. You know, it's yeah. it's 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 very likely uh and and very possible that the mirror picked like hand picked this family. Because it has a mind of its own and is like maneuvering around from fucking like not only state to state but like continent to continent because it originated in like I think they said London. Yeah. Like the first time and what's also a cool detail, the first like recorded history of it. You know, it, it could date back even further, but that's just like the first time that she says there's like a recorded history of it. So it's even fucking older than that. Cause like this is it's just this fucking 
creepy ass Lovecraftian object that God knows where it came from. But Wait, where is goddamn Department of Control, dude? Like, is this thing not an AWE? Like, I don't understand <laughs> where the fucking Department of Control is, or what? What was it? Warehouse Thirteen? Like, where are they? No joke, dude. Like what? Like what are it they belongs. doing? What, our tax dollars at work. God, <laughs> it damn belongs it. in a museum, it, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> it belongs hidden in the back of a museum, permanently covered. Uh, uh, the scene that most fucking traumatized me when it comes to this movie is that fucking light bulb scene, dude. Ah, uh, yeah, that's uh, that dude, was something. It's something. Thank you for yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, you're, that, that's that, <laughs> that's the scene I thought you were you were referring to when you texted me that I was like, oh yes, you got to that scene because that's because like the the nail thing is fucked up and that's the first like fucked up thing you see. But man, just like her reaction as she is biting into an apple throughout a scene, and one of the things they're doing is they're having to replace light bulbs because the thing is just like constantly knocking out the power and destroying the light bulbs and just destroying like all like things of energy and electrical currents around them gets constantly getting fucked up. And she sets down a uh, fucking apple next to a light bulb. And she's just casually eating this apple. And then she turns around and you don't see it, but the mirror has ostensibly made her accidentally grab the light bulb without realizing it. And she takes a bite thinking it's the apple and just the sound effects. Uh, the sound effects and then just like how much blood is in her mouth and her, her reaction to it is fucking haunting, dude. Dude, when she starts pulling that giant sliver of glass out of the roof of her mouth. When she spits and you just hear the like dozens of shards. Yeah. Oh, it's so good, but so terrible. Uh, Holy fuck. Uh, <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> um, You want to know how dumb I am? How dumb are you, sir? How dumb is he? <laughs> uh, how dumb are you? Uh, it was near the end of the movie when I realized their eyes aren't glowing. Their eyes are mirror. They're, they're, oh, yeah. Their eyes That's are a, mirrors. It's a cool effect, too. Like It makes them very, very creepy, just like the way yeah. that they... And, and they, they actually have, like... um. In the scenes where they're close enough, they actually have like full bone reflections in their their eyes too, which is cool. Oh man, this fucking movie. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk about some like uh more good performances? Katie Sackhoff at the end when she is this like full blown feral. Yes. Is terrifying. Like that that scene like when it, it, it's really heartbreaking too is. The dad comes home at one point when the mom has just a, a, officially lost it, right? Right. She's been going after the kids. He goes up and is able to kind of like... Only way to restrain her from like attacking the kids is to put her in a chokehold. And he's in the midst of calling the cops to come help because he knows something is terribly wrong. But at that point, he gets fully possessed by the mirror. And when it hard cuts of him just like so like like gently like correct like holding her and you know like, he obviously still loves his wife at this moment but when it hard cuts to him dragging her out of the frame yeah. you're just like oh fuck yeah it's it's tough to watch and and when you see what happens to her he he fucking has her chained up in their bedroom and he absolutely refuses to let the kids go in and even see her 
And, and man, if you if you just have a thing with teeth, like this is <laughs> this is a this is a hard movie to watch because later on when it just shows the mom chewing up the plate, yeah, and that sound effect, dude, like that the fucking foley work in this movie, they they all it's did both not brilliant get paid. and god awful. <laughs> yeah, they 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 did not get paid enough because it's it's stuff that is is actually haunting. Like just some of the scenes that it's just hard to watch. And like when you later see when she's like strangling uh young Kaylee at the end and you see what's happened to her teeth because of it, it's like, oh dude, uh, please. The the real insidious thing is when basically it lets her come back to her senses as she's strangling the life out of her daughter just in time to be shot by the father. I know, dude. Like it's fucking movie. Jesus Christ. It, it really pulls no punches. Uh <laughs> His movie, um, before I think it's Absentia. Let me see. Let me just verify. A another movie. Uh, I think it was his first. So th this was like his first, like fully produced by like a, like an actual company, right? Uh huh. But his first movie that he directed, period, that was kind of like a little like passion project that was like crowdfunded. His movie called Absentia, or Absentia. I don't know how to. I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm sorry. But there. There, there's a scene in that that is even more dark than anything in Oculus, if you can believe that. Like, Jesus. It's like, and what's interesting, too, is he actually has talked about his his early works, like the way the Oculus ends, the way that like uh, some of this shit happens in Absentia, and he's just like, this shit was dark. I don't know if I could write that like this at this like this time. It's it's like <laughs> he's like almost like softened as a horror writer over time a little bit because he's like god damn this shit was brutal back hey, then what is wrong with me <laughs> that was going through a rough patch man. <laughs> uh, i was that in a room with uh the walls painted black <laughs> yeah no uh some of this shit is pretty insane just in this movie i can't yeah. imagine anything being darker yeah but yeah it, it and i think part of you know, the fact that it's the parents doing these things to these children is one of the reasons why it feels so gross and wrong and so bad. Because, I mean, there's supposed to be nothing more safe than your home and being with your parents. Yeah. And it, it, it's fucked up to think about, too. It's it's like you like when you really like think about it, you know, the the, the like the kids are doing everything like. It's so heartbreaking when the dad is so mind controlled and so possessed by the mirror. He's not even buying groceries for them to eat anymore. Yeah, and like and uh, and Tim as a kid, he's just like, you know, the little boy. The little boy, he's just like, I'm hungry. Yeah, they yeah. haven't eaten in like two days outside of maybe like little bits and pieces of like cereal and like maybe some you know just cans of soup or something. That's like all they've been having to eat for days. It's like man, it's tough because like. As a kid, like you are so at at the whims of your parents. Yeah. And, you know, even even when they even when they go to help, all it takes is the dad to say, you know, in ten seconds, like a uh, worth of dialogue. Oh, you know, they're having a hard time. She's lashing out, and the guy believes her because yeah. everyone is programmed to, you know, not believe the kid. Yep. And it's and it's it's very very tragic because that shit happens all the time in real life. It's. It's fucked up. And, and just like the the idea of like and the kids really sell it too 
like what, all the sequences where like the parents are attacking them it's, and all that's holding holding them at bay is like the bedroom door it's like yeah. oh man it's it's really really rough dude oh. when she jumps out of the second story window oh yeah just watching her land and then just roll around in pain afterwards like that is something that you could do if you had to to save your life but it's gonna hurt fucking suck yeah yeah and and it's it's also really cool to see like uh how her character you know like uh correlates in in the past timeline with the present like she is a fucking fighter yeah uh, and and it, it ends up being her undoing but you have to admire like just like the extent to which she goes to try to get revenge for her family and she's also just trying to like She's she's pissed off at like her family's reputation too. She has a couple lines of dialogue with the brother about how like she not only wants to clear her brother's record fully because her her brother you know ended up in an institution for ten years for killing and, and like when you see that he didn't even really kill the dad, the dad basically pulled the trigger on himself. That's that adds an extra layer of heartbreak because like the kid didn't even really do it, right? You know, but man, yeah, and yeah. I, I just. The one thing I want to talk to you about is how much of the dad wanting to die was the dad or the mirror. It, it's interesting too. It's like there's actually like a a parallel between the last moment with the dad and the last moment with the mom, when they have just like that look on their face where they have they finally realize what's happening and they are able to kind of just stop themselves because of how much they love the kids is is really tragic i couldn't figure out if it was that or the mirror just released them long enough to see what they were doing yeah it, it's hard to tell like I said, it uh, seems to feed off of things suffering and withering more than just sucking life force if it's just sucking life force like it should be able to you know to just hang on the wall and be fine but it, it seems to need or at least want to to cause all the suffering that it can yeah true like it's using these people up and then moving on. Yeah. Or, or yeah, maybe it needs things to be in like a state of sickness as well in order to be able to feed off of it. Cause if you notice like the first thing that happens with the dog is yeah. it needs the dog to become sick. And you know, like obviously like the mom and the dad are just, you know, beyond fucked up by the end. They, not, uh, not just like not not just like like mentally not there but just like the level to which they all have to be malnourished because they haven't fucking eaten in days right. like they, they just yeah and there's there's also like a cool thing where the first time the dad has the seat the scene you know, like where he fucks up his fingernail with this the stable remover you start hearing whispers of no pain no pain no pain yeah so it's it's like making them not be aware of like the horror around them so they'll they'll keep doing it it's like man it's like there's a there's a lot of like uh just like really really confident work with the mirror and what it's after how it works and it's all just like these like little quick cuts of you know character interactions or you like the whispers and stuff and you just you don't fully fucking understand like how it's doing it what it's doing exactly and why it's doing it it's so good yeah, I was, I was thinking also about like the fact that she had alarms set up for them to eat and drink regularly and stuff. Like, it seemed like it needed them to like stay in a period of weakness to have like the most effect on them. 
So yeah. she had everything set up to be constantly like eating and drinking water and like staying strong to kind of um to kind of resist it, to help resist it. But yep. one thing I forgot that I wanted to talk about is we need to talk about her fiance's death. It, but what's also fucked up, you don't even fully know if she did it or not by the end of it. Yeah. It, be, because they're uh she i get the feeling she did because he keeps like he starts showing up like the other uh ghosts do true yeah but then again dude when she don't know when she pulls out her cell phone to like look at the floor it's like which one is the real one the screen or what is actually on the floor yeah uh, there's a lot of trippy shit happening when you don't know what's actually there yeah and who's who's there yeah but when she uh is holding what is it like a piece of like the potted plant yeah it's a piece of the the like terracotta pot that the uh, yeah. plant was in she has a vision it, it was walter white's worst nightmare in season one <laughs> basically yeah. when he reassembled the plate to see if all the pieces were there uh i forget is it i forget uh when she reacts and stabs him is she having a vision of her dad or her mom i think it might be the mom i think it's the mom she has, she has a vision. The mom uh, was the being... one that pursued them around the house. I think it was the mom. Yeah, she she has a quick vision of her mom attacking her from behind, and she just quickly, while holding that shard of the potted plant, just like 180s around. As and you do. As you do. As you and, do. And just drove it right into her fucking neck. Yeah, just a full-on descent mode of the poor fiancé. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and she stabs her fiance in the neck killing him but did she you don't know because she what 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 she shows uh like you said like she's like using her her phone camera to to fact check but you don't know if that's actually fact checking it you really don't know and and then she you know she talks about how she can't be sure if the person calling uh because she's having the fiance call her every hour on the hour like five seconds after she stabs him and kills him she gets the call so you don't know you you can't you you don't know what to believe and you can't know what to believe because everything could be a lie everything could be real and you see uh the like the mirror eyes of the the fiance but you don't know because typically the people that were actually like permanently associated with the mirror are like the actual like victims as far as like who's been being possessed by it not necessarily just like kind of offshoot victims. So I, I I actually don't think she ever killed the fiance. I think they it just made her think that she did. But I mean, that's, that's but that's true. But also, yeah. isn't he by extension a victim of the mirror? No, but it's, it's no, not, what I was it's saying like, is it's not like it's lashing out to get him, right? It's, what what, it's what I was saying is what I was saying is that the people that are like conduits and like sticking around are the people that were possessed by the mirror, not right. the people who are just victims of the mirror. So that that's why I think it was just for show. And, mm. and you also only see them rolling out one body at the end when the cops show up. You don't see them uh, ever talk about there being like multiple bodies or and you only ever see her being rolled out. That's true. So I, I think the fiancé is fine, Uh but you don't know. It's up to it's up to interpretation, and it makes it even creepier and un- and upsetting <laughs> that you don't know for sure. Because you know, like, let's let's talk about the uh, the ending, man. 
Oh my god! So I knew, I knew that no good was gonna come of this. But yeah, as yeah, soon I as we, I, I saw it, I don't think we've talked about it specifically. But her main contingency plan for and this they allude theory, to it happening like twice. Yeah, before they, it happens. So her main contingency plan for what she thinks will keep them safe from this mirror is she has a boat anchor that is attached to the ceiling on what is basically like a catapult mechanism. It's a pivot, where, yeah. Yeah, where if, if they don't reset this like custom like kitchen timer like it's every mechanical. hour. It's a yeah, mechanical it's, timer. It doesn't really depend on power or anything. They have to manually reset it every mm-hmm. 30 minutes. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, and basically she's saying uh and it's it's a good it's a smart idea where she's basically saying like, if the mirror just straight up kills us the mirror kills itself because we won't be there to stop the mechanism you know like the mirror is going to get crushed by it because they've confirmed that the mirror can be at least damaged a little bit because when the is it when the dad is shot i, I forget the but there's a crack in the mirror from one yeah. of the altercations with the dad yeah they they tried to attack it but you can't attack it directly Mm-hmm. Uh, they thought they were hitting it, but they were actually hitting the walls next to it. But when he shoots the dad, it goes through the dad and hits the corner. Yeah, and, and there's like the one crack. I don't think I talked about it, but what a great fucking like line when she is. I hope in it fucking her- hurt. Uh, well, uh, a, a great line that like early on establishes like what the fuck is going on when she is at her warehouse thing after she's acquired the mirror and she drops down the sheet covering it. And she says, oh, I bet you're hungry. And you're just like, right. oh, fuck, dude. <laughs> That's a great line because you're just like, oh, shit, dude. Yeah. What is going to happen? Uh, what is this backstory? Uh, it just it's really, really draws you in. But yeah, uh, so th- there's a, just a fucking brilliant, like, 20-minute segment of this where it is constantly interjecting uh, sequences of both both the characters in their present age and when they were kids. And you basically have like a, a parallel of the, the story unfolding and then fully telling you what happened on the last night in the house with the mirror, you know, like 12 years earlier or whatever it was. And the current, uh, storyline of the brother and sister in the present. And what's really cool too, is that you're constantly seeing like, She'll be her adult self running past like Tim as a little boy and they vice interchange, versa. Interchange, yeah, yeah. They they interchange constantly, and it's just so cool. Sometimes like, what s- is happening now, it's them as a child rather than them as adult. And what's interesting too is they have a couple of uh, scenes where it almost looks like how the adult versions are getting visions of their younger selves. It also looks like the younger selves are seeing visions of the older ones in the past. Right. It, it starts to get very, very, and it's funny that it's Amy Pond, but very timey-wimey with right. like what's happening. And it's so cool. because a crack in the wall. <laughs> there's a crack in the mirror. Right. Because uh, they show that scene where adult Tim looks into his bedroom and young Tim reacts to him almost. Yeah. Like, he's, like he can see him. But obviously he doesn't know like what he's going to look like. And you might have a good estimation of what you're going to look like in the future, but you don't know for sure. And he just looks at him like kind of like, you know, puzzled. But man, and it's this cutting back and forth of the dad trying to uh, kill them, the mom chasing after them. And Katie Sackhoff is fucking terrifying when she's full-blown feral mode going after the kids. Like, yeah, oof, it's, it's hard to watch. 
and it's just cutting back and forth like just so expertly but you never really feel like lost when you're watching it either it always feels very very honed in uh it never feels like jumbled like this 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 like portion of the movie easily could be a mess oh yeah if 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 you had like worse uh editing going on uh and it's just really really well done but uh uh Karen Gillan is seeing a vision of her mom in the mirror. Reaching out the, of the mirror. Yeah, reaching out of the mirror, uh, holding out uh, her arms to her in a very with a very like, like loving look on her face, and she and it's her healthy self again. She's not, you know, like fucked up from the events of the mirror. And uh she starts walking towards her mom, uh, and she actually uh, hugs now, her mom through the mirror. Is I can't remember. Was this her as a child? Yes, it's her as a child. Okay, that's what she's, I was thinking. She, yeah, she's she is shown as her young self, like walking towards the mirror to hug her mom. What what Tim is seeing is he sees nothing in front of the mirror, uh, and he sees a chance to go and and release the kitchen timer to kill the mirror by using the 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 boat anchor. And he just quickly, like with a smile on his face, he thinks he has the upper hand. He quickly runs to the mechanism, kills the timer to release the the boat anchor, and you just hear a crunch. Uh, and and when you see just how she's been hit by it, man, oh, is dude. devastating. That is a brutal way to go. Yeah. I, and, and is and one. To think she's like, alive for a moment, just looking at her own reflection in yeah. that mirror. Uh, a lot, and, and it's it's a cool choice too. Uh, on to your point, a lot of what you see of of Tim and Kaylee's reactions to this moment is shown in reflections from the mirror. Right. You you, you mostly just see them as reflections, like in just looking in absolute horror at what is what has occurred. Yeah, uh, and then the reflections from the mirror, because it's it's killed her. It's pinned her kind of like right beneath her neck. Yeah, and she yeah, and she's pressed up against the mirror, but because she blocked the, the blow, the mirror is fine. And uh, because of a sequence about twenty minutes before this, where he is, uh, where Tim's not sure if he was able to get a nine one one call off or not, the cops show up at this exact moment, and you see the flashes. Yeah. Of the of the the cop cars and you're just yeah. like, "Oh my god." And there's cameras oh all in the room. Yeah. Uh it's, so... it sucks. And then you it's, see it... her in the window with the mom and dad watching him leave. Yeah, in the back and, of the and there's cop a car. And it's fucking genius because the what what happened in the past was the 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 dad uh, you know, basically pushed the trigger while his son was holding the gun to kill to kill himself. So they are cutting back and forth of Tim being taken away by the police as a kid and uh, for killing the dad and now being taken away by the police for killing his sister. Yeah. And it's just cutting back and forth and oh my God, dude, it just like fucking breaks your heart. Cause this guy, the, like, and, he, and he is screaming. It wasn't me. It was the mirror, both, you know, as a kid and as an adult, but he just, Oh and, my like, God. Like, and if, and if the, um, Fiance is alive. She told him that she was afraid to be alone with her ex-incarcerated brother. Yep. Oh, <laughs> it sucks, dude. <laughs> oh, it sucks. But yeah, he he uh, is uh, shown in the back of the cop car, both as a kid as and an adult, 
in the past he saw his mom and dad standing inside the house looking out with the mirror eyes like fully uh you know like fully possessed and now conduits of the mirror whatever the fuck is happening with them and then it, it like hard cuts to like you said you see his sister now with the mirror eyes and in, in the standing uh, inside the house looking out through the win- window and it's just like man what an ending <laughs> it's because it, it like sits with you there for a minute it you're really, just like, it's so heavy yeah it, it is it, it's hard to to watch because you're just like man because like your brain starts to make those like connections of like like fast forwarding the story and it's just like what he has to live with now like just and and knowing that that mirror is out there and you know and and he'll never get out of jail now yeah and he'll never be able to do anything about it and the mirror is just gonna get uh you know and and because like the mirror is probably you know unless they reject it because of a fucking homicide happening next to it but that mirror is going to that family that fucking you know won the auction and it just the, the, the story continues and it's just like what a fucking awesome concept for like an ongoing uh series of short films or short stories you know just like the the stories of that that mirror is such a cool Lovecraftian concept, and Karen Gillan's character is just like it, it's so interesting that like her ace in the hole, you know, like that boat anchor and being what kills her in her pursuit to learn more about this mirror and to defeat it when she had no business challenging it is ten thousand percent Lovecraftian. Uh, that and another through line we didn't mention was the dad killing himself. Yeah. That is a very Lovecraftian thing, too. A lot of the stories end or even start with a character having learned some information and committing suicide. And another Lovecraftian thing that we talk about with, like, the thing and stuff is how they, you know, they document and have journals. And she has video. She has video journals of it. Yeah. Of the whole process. That's another thing. It's, like, fucking depressing ending, but... I just Mary, sat Mary. there and watched the credits scroll and did not know what to think, what to say, what to do. It, it, it like hurts your soul, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 hard to watch because it's like you you can't help but feel like feel a connection to the characters because you know it just feels like a real family that got fucked over by this fucking cursed ass object, you know? It's Yeah. Uh, the <clears throat> the thing that really sells it too is when times are good in this family none of the relationships in the family feel forced. Like they feel like a family. Like they don't have any weird bits of dialogue. Like nobody talks like that or they yeah. don't, they don't, you know, act a certain way that it's like, no, they, they, they talk and act like real fucking people. Uh, yeah. And, that, that is the thing that, that specifically carries over to haunting of Hill house. They are a, a family of because uh, haunting of Hill house is similar in how it's telling the story of what happened at the house in the past and yeah. now with some of the characters grown up and the the characters feel the exact same way like he's very good at writing what feels like organic families instead of like contrived hollywood families for a movie that would never exist in real life yeah he's fan he's fantastic at making them seem like very down to earth even when the creepy like supernatural shit is happening around them and, and like that's like one of the main things that um is 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 really hard to to convey in horror is you don't have a lot of time to connect your audience like to your characters and make them to care enough to where like this ending could have as big of an impact as it can because usually you're just like oh people got killed in the horror movie you know who gives a shit this ending happened you're just like fuck dude 
Like, yeah. You feel it. You feel it. Expertly done. <laughs> even though, <laughs> even though it's fucking, it is like expert at making you feel sad. <laughs> uh, but you cannot turn away because this is so fucking well done. Two things that were really well done too that I wanted to mention. You mentioned her like video diary. I I forgot to to talk about. Um, uh, I love the argument that they had and then they turn around and realize like when did we come out here oh, and they go back in like everything in the room is turned and when you watch the video back they're having the argument while moving the cameras and moving the plants and L7 neither one of them remembered doing it but they have on video that they did it it is so good it's so good and then the other thing so I wanted good. to mention that was really well done is Look in the uh, Discord at an image I sent you. Mm-hmm. Um, that image is when the brother was standing in the doorway watching her reset everything. And this is what he saw. Like, that is so fucking good. Which one is the real one? Is she standing in front of the camera or is she behind the computer resetting everything? You don't know. You don't know a fucking like. It's like the ultimate like non-reliable narrator. Like yeah. you have, you have no clue what to believe. The you story have no itself is the unreliable narrator. Yeah, it's so interesting in how like the way that the, this movie is constructed is endlessly fascinating to me. Yeah, and, and what's cool too, like you could watch this multiple times, and that's not gonna help you. Because it, it's yeah. not it's it's not like it's a math equation to solve. You don't know. Fucking ninety percent of the last thirty minutes might not have happened, and you don't know. Yeah, you, you like they could have been having all of these. You know, like uh, you know, you know, in the in the current time, when they split up, you don't even know if they split up. They could have been in the same room. Remember when it, they were yeah. outside and they saw themselves in front of the mirror and they didn't know if they were outside or inside? Mm-hmm. They didn't know if they were looking at themselves for real because if they were standing in front of the mirror and they didn't know the anchor was getting ready to drop and they just didn't know if they were standing outside or if what they were looking at was real, them inside looking at the mirror. And you don't know either as the audience member. Yeah. Like you feel like you're losing. I, I felt disconnected from my body when I was done watching this yeah. damn movie. Yeah. Cause it's, it's, it's so fucking fascinating. And I, I would love for him to have like a follow up to this that is just like, like a, a because I, I could see him now, like uh, after all this time, you know, obviously it would be, be different characters, but how, how cool would it be if like it was a story of like a future family and you saw like Karen Gillen as like, you know, like the new main figurehead right. of it would be really cool. Instead of Marisol or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Cause you could, you could do some like really cool stuff. Cause like, it's like, it's like a perpetually u- like usable concept that like, you could, you could apply this to like anything and you could you just have a new horror story with a new family having creepy shit happening. And when it's so like disorienting, that it's like fascinating. It's like, I, I just love, I, I love when I can't trust what I'm seeing in the movie. And instead of it being like a cop out, it's like, it adds to like the tension of it. And it would just like with the way this, this movie ends, it's just like, oof. it love takes it. full advantage <laughs> of its medium. 
right? Like it takes full advantage of being a movie. It's doing a thing you'll you, that would never come across in a book, right? Yeah. Like as a player in a video game, you know what you did. Like it, this can only work in a film, mm-hmm. and it takes full advantage of that. And that I love it for it. Yeah, fucking I hate problem, it, man. but I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it is like the ultimate fucking train wreck that you can't turn away from because you're just like, oh man. <laughs> These people are fucked. <laughs> and just from a story basis alone, if I, I, I mean, the idea that the movie has already happened, right? Like what the, the, the backstory of these two characters of this brother and sister would be the movie from most writers and directors. So the fact that it's already happened and it's this, these siblings trying to get revenge on an object rather than seeing the thing play out before our very eyes. It's just mm-hmm. such a simple way to reconstruct a horror movie. It's, it's almost dissecting, you know, its own genre. Yeah. Uh, because like, this is a type of like presentation for a story that is predominantly in like science fiction. Yeah. Like, like this is something you would see in like an Inception type thing, not 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 a horror movie. So it's like it's like genius in how it's like interwoven. I and I found like an interesting like little tidbit that just shows you like you're talking about like you felt disoriented, like you were you know, like one of the characters. They actually were finding it disorienting when writing the uh, the two constantly shifting timelines until they actually came up with the idea of writing all the scenes in the script where it's in the past in italics. So that's how they were able to quickly <laughs> shift and be able to like even track themselves when the story's happening in the past. They had to use italics when it's in the past. I love that. Jesus. <laughs> they also, were even another, in circles. Another thing that just shows like fucking masterclass. They filmed this entire movie in three weeks. I I mean I could see that. There, there's no real crazy special effects. It's all one setting. There's no travel. No hotels. There's mm-hmm. You know, it's all taking place in a house. In I, I would, your main star is an object hanging on a wall. I would love to just like uh, talk to them and find out how long this took to edit, because I could see that being a nightmare sorting through like all that that footage well, shit, and being just, able to like even, even even like the logistics of like putting that shit into like <laughs> you know, like whatever like Adobe or whatever editing program they're using. You know? Yeah. Uh, like, it, what is it? Shit, just just ask Mike Flanagan on. I'm sure he'll come on the show. Yeah, yeah, he's the old old buddy of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hop on over to Screenplay Rewind and do an interview. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, if if uh, if you liked this and it sounds like you did, like I gotta get you to watch some of his other shit. Uh, uh, some, of, <laughs> some of his uh, other movies. <laughs> I, I, I can tell you pretty much everything else is not this level of like soul crushing. Like they they're they're still as creepy. Like it's always creepy because he's just a fucking master at that shit of like creeping me the fuck out. <laughs> I wonder if this hit me two different ways. It's hard to tell. Cause, you know, I am someone's child, but I'm also someone's father. <laughs> oh yeah. So mm-hmm. I wonder if this hit me like two just a one-two punch i don't know it, uh, it's hard it also, it's, it's hard to sort through it all 
it, it also just like hits me just like like a personal th like thing um my my mother actually has um bipolar disorder so this really hits home for me because i think back to moments when i was a little kid and like before my mother's actually started taking like official medication for it i remember moments as a little kid you know, like maybe my like as a preteen having a conversation with my mom and it didn't seem like i was having a conversation with my mom so like, i can Jesus. so easily put myself in the shoes of these kids this movie is like legitimately scary to me uh basically all throughout and it just hit, it hits home so specifically and it's, it's it's such a fucking good movie that man i'm glad you, i'm glad it sounded like you liked it though yeah 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 no i uh, in all honesty i i really liked it but it's Oof. it's not an it's easy a, it's watch a, it's it, a, it's a doozy it, i was exhausted when i was done watching it and now you can never look at your light bulbs in the house the same way again. You're welcome. They're so tasty looking. <laughs> yeah, so so juicy. Yeah. Oh, man. But, yeah, uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, did you have any other tidbits or any other topics that you want to talk about? I think I pretty much covered everything. I, I think I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> to de fucking delete this from your mind and everything about it again. I think, I think I'm have just... Have you... Have you destroyed all of the mirrors or at least covered them up in your household? I've tried, but I just all my everything I do just keeps landing next to them. Have you removed staple old removers from your household? <laughs> I burned them in the outside fireplace. No, you just thought you did. They're still in the house. Shit. <laughs> uh, oh god. Th those were my transformers. Damn you, mirror. <laughs> oh, the humanity. <laughs> <laughs> oh god so uh we had uh mentioned about how we were gonna run my choices next back to back i don't uh, know about that no more <laughs> <laughs> so that's a... I think, I think, I think you're done, sir. <laughs> yeah, you lost, lost the keys to the kingdom. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna need the keys to the car back, sport. Mm -hmm. So uh, since Ron, uh, double featured Tremors one and two, uh, we were gonna have two of my choices back to back. And since I just traumatized you, oh, I decided to go easy on the next selection. Oh, so no, we're watching no. Oculus again. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Jeff is the non-reliable narrator. <laughs> Our next show is going to be covering the nice guys. Ooh, that's been on my list to cover on the podcast for a while. Same. And I have been wanting an excuse to rewatch it because the nice guys is fucking fantastic. Russell Crowe do it for you. Yeah. Russell Crowe being in <laughs> uh, Thor Love and Thunder. is just like, you know what? Let's watch the fucking nice guys, dude. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Yeah. So... If you have not seen it, you have to see it because The Nice Guys is one of the best, may maybe like my favorite comedy of the last like 10 years. It's just so fucking genius. Oh, it's so, it so good. Much. It's so it's fucking, good. Yeah. Nice Guys. I think it came out in 2016, uh, written and directed Sounds by Shane Black right. and uh, stars Russell Crowe, Ryan Gosling. Fucking amazing. Watch the movie, please. I uh, did not care for Ryan Gosling until I saw that movie. He's so fun. It's it's not fair for Ryan Gosling to look like he does and be as funny as that motherfucker is. I don't like, please. It, I the amount of physical comedy even he did in that movie, and pulled it off. Yeah. Oh That's my god. That's a lot of blood. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. 
just that, that that movie you know how like oculus is soul crushing it makes you just like question reality and just be sad and stare at your tv in solemn silence for like 10 minutes the nice guys puts me in a good mood for like the rest of the day just because it's fucking awesome it's so much fun you who <laughs> the performances are amazing play yeah just like please watch it so you can follow along in a couple of weeks oh and, my uh, God. yeah uh if you want to follow the show more, we're on Twitter at SPR Filmcast. Uh, any ratings or reviews you can give us on whichever platform you found us on always helps us out. And, uh, you know, just want to throw it out there. You know, share it out to your friends if you think you know someone that might enjoy the show. That's really the only way that podcasts can grow Does anymore. Does grandma love there's... Oculus? She might love this episode. <laughs> <laughs> if your grandma loves Oculus. Your grandma's awesome. She's pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> She might also be planning to murder you in your sleep. You just, or uh, is just, it even your grandma? Yeah, it might. It might not actually be. You know, it could just be the mirror. You know, yeah. does, she, does she have reflections? <laughs> does, does she? It does dawned she... on me that their eyes were mirror and not just glowing like a dog. In the uh, the police lights, the red and blue police lights. Oh yeah, that's when it dawned on me. That's how stupid I am. <laughs> well, in your defense. There's a You're lot going on. You were being traumatized in real time for like an hour and 45 <laughs> minutes. So it's it's not your fault, man. It's not your fault. It's okay. It's all right, bud. <laughs> now you'll know for the next time you watch it. Ah! <laughs> the, next, the, next, the next time you're going out of your way to question reality and feel miserable <laughs> about what happens to this poor family. <laughs> I question reality every time I open Twitter. I don't need... I don't need anything else to, at, at what, to do that. At what point when you're watching this movie, you were just like, oh, God, what did Jeff sign me up for? <laughs> um, this is the fingernail thing when you text me, fuck you, sir, and vertically in all caps at two o'clock in the morning? Was that the moment? No, I think <laughs> the vertical text. It's never good. You get the vertical text. Uh, yep. No, I think it was when they have the foreshadowing of the dad getting shot with the juice box on his shirt and then oh, yeah. he walks past the office and there's someone there that when he turns around they're not mm-hmm. i remember how i told you when i get like super tired like i see things in the corner of my eye or like i see people like move across the house in the corner of my eye it's like that for me it's exactly yeah. what he saw and when that happened i was like oh no 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 yeah so it <laughs> Yeah, like it hit home like real hard for you. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, that's the shadow. It's, it's funny. The shadow people. I've come to find out they're called, and I'm not the only one. By the way, it, it it's funny. Like, what specific moments in horror movies or like you know, like horror novels that like will hit home more for one person than another, just based off like an actual like real life thing like that. It's like fascinating. Speaking you know, you never... of Amy Pond, like the first time that you. It's like the first or second episode with her uh, before they reveal like what the thing is living in her house and the door she didn't know was there because you can only see it out of the corner of your eye. When that whole episode was about the thing living in the corner of your eye just outside of your vision, I was like, no, 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 sir. And that was the last episode of Doctor Who that Ron ever got to watch. (laughs) Uh, the shadow people won. <laughs> uh, oh god! Google it, Google it. People all around the world report the shadow people. There's all kinds of fun conspiracy oh, theories I... about them. Oh, I believe you on both accounts. Apparently, they uh, they like rule governments and things. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's great. You should Google it. So the shadow people voted Trump in the White House. Is that what happened? That's how it happened. 
It makes sense. Uh, that's how it happened. That's what we do. We, we find this mirror and just send it to Trump Tower and everything <laughs> will take care of itself. <laughs> just see how it plays out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, I can't think of a better note. <laughs> yeah, there, <laughs> thanks everybody for listening. That's a lot. And of have fun. a good night. Please, please cover up all your mirrors. Please. <laughs> I'm covering my computer monitor. Well, as we yeah, speak. It, 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 anything with a reflection, either either is the Dr. Oculus Strange mirror. did that one too. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was I was about to say everything with a mirror is out to get you. <laughs> Doctor Strange too, <laughs> and the Oculus mirrors and anything. the Black Mirror. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just so just. Just throw away your phone. Yeah, just, you, don't worry. Just every, everything, everything needs to go. <laughs> Bye, everybody.